Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly, an intelligent writing app. Download Grammarly's browser extension and create a free Grammarly account at www.getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 193rd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in sunny Rip City, and I got my man. Sage chilling here. My mom's in town, so, you know, she's making me do things that seem like a pain in the ass today, but are going to be great in a few weeks. I'm a short-sighted guy, apparently, when it comes to doing chores and errands, so I'm, I'm a little sleepy. But we we got a we got a podcast to do. It's been been a long time, and let's bless let's bless them with a uh, another holy backboard. Absolutely. I mean, today has been all about the errands for you. Uh, I let the front and backyard just go to absolute hell over the winter time. Uh, I'm not about to get out there when it's 30, 40 degrees, rainy, cold. So let that go just wild. But took care of the business uh, today, so it's looking pretty fresh and clean. Still needs a little bit of work, but it felt good to get outside and, you know, move around, and it it was a beautiful spring day in the wintertime, so that is something that I have been really thankful for this past week because uh, Blazer basketball hasn't been something to be thankful for this entire season outside of a a miraculous Herculean stretch from Damian Lillard. There's a few good weeks where, you know, you felt good. The spacing was good. The team was morale was high. They were high-fiving and proud of everybody's accomplishments. And then injuries happen. Injuries happen and road trips happen and goal tents happen that aren't called. And it just feels like this season has been one step forward, two steps back continuously. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating. Like, I haven't been this frustrated watching a, a team play probably I don't know it, it's been quite some time I would say the 16-17 Blazers were frustrating because they kind of rested on their laurels of making it to the conference semifinals obviously Nurk fever happened that year and then he got hurt and it was another sweep in the first round uh the lockout shortened season of 11-12 was more just anger because that team basically had a mutiny against Nate McMillan. Uh, the bright side is we were able to flip Gerald Wallace and get Damian Lillard out of that. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen this year with the Blazers, but it, it's just been frustrating because Dame is clearly a top five player in the league. He's trying to do everything he can. He then gets hurt literally with a minute left before the all-star break it's clear that management does not want to make the playoffs. Um, it's been evident really since Rodney Hood went down. They have not utilized any of their disabled player exceptions. They have a they have a trade exception. Uh, they have roster spots that they can fill. They're playing with eight to nine guys over the past two weeks, and you know I was okay with it earlier when it looked like we weren't going to do anything. But then Dame obviously put his foot down and said, "To hell with this! I'm going to show you what I'm capable of." And he took us for a ride that we haven't been on before. And then you start to believe, okay, this could be fun. This could be a fun playoff experience. We're probably not going to go super far, but 
hell, I want to watch as many additional Damian Lillard games as I can, yet you have Neil Olshay basically coming out and saying, you know, the goal is to cut cut salary. Uh, it's not responsible to have this large of a, of a salary and a tax bill when your team is this far under 500. It just doesn't seem like they are on the same page with Terry Stotts and the players. And to me, that's a that's a, that's a not a big red flag, but it's definitely it is a red flag that I see in the distance because you have to be cohesive um, with the front office, with management, with coaching staff, and with players. And you don't want to piss Damian Lillard off. Um, he has been loyal. Maybe to a fault, some would say, with this franchise, and has never wavered from that. So I, I hope this is maybe just a one-time thing, and he understands where maybe ownership is coming from. But again, I, I would always err on the side of, of the, the loyal superstar, which is rare, beyond rare these, these days. Neil and ownership have one expect expectation, but you can't... I, I think Casey Holdall said it. These guys are fighting for their jobs, so you can't expect the players to play bad. And you're putting them in kind of shitty circumstances with less bodies than a normal team. Like, a normal team has a nine-man rotation with three or four people on the bench. We have a nine-man rotation, period. Terry Stotts and the players, they're trying to win games, and they're trying to make it so that their stay in the NBA, whether it be coaching or playing, stays longer. So... You know, Neil Neil's doing what he can to make us tank, but Dame had a really excellent week, a uh, few weeks, and then the players are are still trying hard. It's just without Dame yesterday, we weren't talented. Yeah, and you you mentioned Neil was trying to make us tank, and he'll never admit it, but that's absolutely what they're trying to do this year from a front office perspective. I mean, hell, he tried to do that in fifteen sixteen when five of our six uh, top players left and it was just Dame left, he tried to put together the, the most tanky, awful team yeah. possible what? to get a top pick and Dame wasn't having it. I mean, to me, I would be okay if everyone was on board with, okay, we're going to just develop guys this year and we're going to take our shot next year, but let's put a minutes restriction on Dame and CJ. I just don't think that, that that's never going to happen with Terry Stotts as the coach though. He just goes up. And that's not going to happen with, with Dame or CJ. They want to play. And so that's why I'm saying that's where the disconnect is happening. And then we see things like against Memphis last Wednesday where Dame has overexerted himself for an extended mm. period of time, playing back-to-backs, playing 40-plus minutes, putting the team on his back. And then that's what happens. Your body starts to wear down and little things become big things. And this isn't the year to have a big thing occur. So... They really need to kind of get their shit together, whether it's, you know, having a, an all hands on deck meeting, but it's not worth it. it. It's not, it's not worth it to, to be this dis, this, this disjointed because I don't want to run Dame into the ground when management isn't going to get him another body over 6'10". It's Hassan and, and, and Caleb Swanigan. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous that they haven't even found a guy off the streets that can give them some size. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just feels it feels reckless. It feels disrespectful. Um, I am not a fan. And it's grow, it, my frustration with management and ownership is is growing by the game just because of how hard Dame is playing. And 
you know what? Maybe it would be better if we got a number six or seven pick this year. It's just a disconnect. It, it, it just plans up a disconnect because you got Neil saying we're, we're packing it in and Neil, sh- I mean, Terry Stouts doesn't play that shit. You can have a minutes limit that's like agreed upon and he's pushing it to the limit. He's done that for years. So to say that we're going to mail it in and then the coach obviously ain't going to mail it in because wins and losses basically show how good or bad he is in, you know, for his next job or his current job for like another contract. These wins and losses are important. So he's pushing his players and his players are wanting to be pushed. I mean, it's a shame that Dame got hurt, but like Terry, I mean, Terry Stiles ain't about resting his players. He's one of those guys that's going to push his guys to play and his guys play like, well, and the guys want to play too. It's not like they're, they're begging to come out. Um, you know, Dame has been, he has said this time and time again this year, like making the playoffs, given all the adversity that they have faced this season would be one of his greatest accomplishments. And selfishly, if you're looking at it from a Damian Lillard fan perspective, I want him to be able to come back this year. I want him to give us a push for the playoffs. I'm at the point now where I don't care if we pick 12th or 17th. The draft just isn't that strong. I would rather Dame get the accolades. Like, I want him to make first team All-NBA. I want him to finish top five in the MVP. Like, the better he becomes and elevates himself, that's going to help us down the road. I mean, we saw it last year when Rodney Hood wanted to come and his canter was available on the buyout market. Players are going to want to come play with this guy. And it's just, if you get these accolades, they do matter. Um, a lot of people are going to say they don't, but they do. And obviously, I want Dame to be a Hall of Fame player. I want him to be a top 100 player of all time. And what do they base these off of? Wins, accolades. Wins and losses and accolades. So I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter. Where would... Uh, like top five list. Who are your top five players right now? Who in no order? I have uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I am going to throw you a bit of a curveball. I think Nikola Jokic, uh, when he is aggressive, is hands down uh, the best center in the league. Just an amazing basketball player. I mean, he's so fun to watch. Like he was, he drove me crazy in in the conference semis because we had no answer for him. But like, this is a glimpse of what Arvidas Sabonis would have looked like in his prime. Just like the the unselfishness, the the shot making. Um, They've had quite a bit of injuries and they are still winning games. I mean, that Uh, that depth, man. Like you didn't even need Malik Beasley or Juan Herman Gomez. So you just trade them because you can and you want to give them a chance at making money. So those are my those are my top five uh, guys right now, and I I really don't. Are think... those would they be your top five at any like? Is it currently or is it throughout the year? Uh, this season because I, I think um, I wouldn't put Joker in my top five this season. I think because he because you use that caveat. You already used the caveat of when he wants to. But he's doing he that lately, though. So right now, he is in my top five. Yeah, right, right now he would be. But there's times where it's just like, is this dude wanting to play basketball? But I think you got it right with Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi, Dame. Oh, uh, man. It, it's tough because there's two sides of the ball. I, I would have... I think Harden is hurt. And 
Yeah, I, 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 he, he is the player that I think manufactures offense. Um, I think he hunts for fouls. I, I just don't think he plays winning basketball. And he's also a player that he doesn't come up big in, in the playoffs. And I factor that in when I'm, when I'm looking at, at dudes, um, who are going to it, be- it, it, it. It would be James or Luca for me for the fifth, but Luca's already has been hurt as well. But I think those two, if we're just looking at pure stats as an argument, it's like how can you argue with you know the leading points guy or a guy that gets so many peripheral stats? It's insane. Like he he really negatively impacts Chris Tapps Porzingis in rebounding, and he's like a six six guard. Like how can you argue that this dude isn't fantastic? I mean, he like, just makes the game look easy, and that's that's he what looked, it's fun. That's what the greats do. He's he makes watching it fun. I know a lot of people don't like the Rockets' play style, but Luca makes watching the Mavericks fun. It makes it like, damn, well, look what this guy could do. He gets those rebounds, he get those assists, but man, he is in charge of this like record-breakingly good offense. But let let's break down these games. Let I. It's been, we have to cover three games, am I right? That they previously played? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now the Blazers are in a bit of a slump. Uh, losers of, of three straight games, sitting at 25-32 and 32 in the Western Conference. Four back in the loss column of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, three and a half, if you want to go, just by what the standings say, because Portland has played a few more games than Memphis. Uh, San Antonio was right on the heels uh, of Portland. So was New Orleans. And so was Sacramento, who had a big win today against the Clippers, their second win uh, against the Clippers in, I think, a a month. And they also beat Memphis uh, the Thursday after the All-Star break. So they're starting to put it together as well. Um, It's going to be tough for Portland to make the playoffs, especially after the, the they really had three that they needed to get. They go to New Orleans. They lose 138-117. They play on a back-to-back against a rested Memphis team, lose 111-104. And then their first game back from the All-Star break, they lost their first home game in what seems like uh, eons, but they dropped it 128-115. to And each of the games, Portland was severely shorthanded and just didn't have the size, the depth, and frankly, the energy uh, in a few of those games to, to get it done. And those are all teams Portland is either trying to catch or catching Portland. So, uh, yes, there are still 25 games left in the season, uh, 14 home, 11 away, second easiest schedule remaining. Uh, the problem is New Orleans has the easiest remaining and they have the, the season, uh, tie break. So it, it's going to be it's going to be tough for the Blazers to make it, especially with Dame and they're being extra coy right now, which, which worries me a bit because when Dame originally got hurt, he's like, yeah, I might be able to play against the Pelicans, uh, you know, Friday after the all-star break. And now he's like, ah, oh, it's going to be three or four games. And Terry Stott says, oh, you never know. They could be a couple games, a couple weeks, maybe a month. Um, we still haven't heard from Yusuf Nurkic. Zach Collins is just now starting to work out. So, Yes, I know the schedule softens up, but I, I don't know. Time is now of the essence, and time is now the enemy if you're a Portland Trailblazer fan. So I don't really remember the Memphis games, Memphis games singular, but I do know the Pelican ones uh, pretty well. Um, there was a lot of talk, and I, I, I was at the game yesterday, so I can't really uh, be on the Twitter machine when I, uh, during that game. But that first game... People were uh, talking about the defense from Drew Holiday and then uh, on Dame. And yeah, Dame uh, Drew's one of those guys that 
takes that challenge to heart because Dame is an all you know an all world player, so he tries really hard. But to say that the Pelicans' defense on Dame is all Drew Holiday is kind of a it's kind of disrespectful to the bigs who do a really good job at committing to stopping Damian on every drive. If you watch the uh, the Pelicans game last night or a week ago, you see them collapse in the middle on any drive from a guard. They'll collapse and force a pass, and a lot of those passes are tough because of all the length the Pelicans have. So they do a really good job of just building that wall, and that that wall is a real big determine uh, a real big uh, detriment. Deterrent. Yes, that that's the word. Uh, <laughs> To, to the Blazers, you know, drive and then kick offense. Because when when uh, CJ went into the paint, he had four people just hands up trying to deflect that pass, and then there was those errant passes from that. So the Pelicans really do a good job at clamping down at the things that the Blazers really want to do offensively. So, yes, Drew Holiday is one of those guys that can just get in and make that Dame's life hell, but... Those back line guys really do a good job of stopping what uh, the Blazers want to do. And it, it, it kind of irritated me uh, yesterday. The Pelicans played Nico Melli and uh, Zion Williamson a lot together as a combo because one really likes to be in the paint and one really likes to be inside. We did a really bad job of punishing the Pelicans for having Nico Melli. You saw uh, Hassan try and do like a back uh, call for the ball call for the ball, and he never really got it. it, it when there's a, just such a direct weakness from the other team defensively, we do a really bad job of just attacking, attacking, attacking. And you know basketball, once you see a weakness, you got to attack until they do something to change it, and we just don't even bother. I thought the offense... I mean, it's tough to judge right now. We're, we're playing nine guys, and a lot of our players are summer league players, to, to be quite frank. And so, on one hand, do I love seeing Carmelo ISO multiple times? No. But on the other hand, really, what else are we going to do? You can only have CJ do so much. You can only have Ant do so much. I mean, Hassan did take 16 shots, third most on, on the team. You know, they, they most put up in the points. Second, most in the second half, too. Yeah, I mean, they, they put up 115 points. Like, I, I don't... It's hard to critique the offense too much. I mean, the three-point shot didn't go down. It's just the defense, um, really, that that is getting them in trouble. But that's to be expected when you're shorthanded. Again, that bench is just getting torched on defense. They don't know the rotations. They they don't know the help. They don't know the scheme. And it's it's tough. They're being thrown into a situation where they're probably a little overwhelmed. Um, it's probably a little too soon for some of those guys to be getting the, these type of minutes. And... You know, what made the Blazers so strong over the past was chemistry and continuity. Those two factors allowed Portland to play above their maybe collective talent because they knew, like, they that that enhanced their basketball intelligence. It just made, brought the team up as a whole. But I believe last night was the Portland's uh, 21st different starting lineup with Gary Trent getting the nod. That, there's just no way that they have any chemistry or continuity. They don't know where each other is going to be. They don't know who likes the ball where. They don't know who's going to be there on the defensive rotations. They, they just don't know. And NBA players are, are going to take advantage of that. And uh, that, that's where Portland gets in trouble. Um, they have not 
I was just going to say, they have not held a team under 100 points, I mean, since the the, the depleted Raptors on January 7th. I mean, so the, it's been that long since they've been able to hold a team under 100. I, I know it's the modern game, it's pace and space, a lot of possessions, but still, 100 points should be somewhat of a barrier. I mean, we're talking about, we're giving up 130, 140 points on the regular, and that's just... You're not going to win shootouts when you can only play eight to nine guys a night. Absolutely, and, and it's just it. We just don't have the depth to. We, we we play them even for a while, and then we just fade because we don't have the depth. And Dame was out in the game that the most recent game, and we just they the Pelicans just ran out bodies, ran out bodies because they play at such a fast. It's a pace up matchup for the Blazers. They, we just didn't have the bodies to play at the pace that the Pelicans played at. Uh, I felt really bad for Hassan Whiteside against Zion because low man wins a lot of the time on like defense, and there's no way in hell uh, that that uh, Hassan can get to as get that leverage on Zion because it's just so quick, but it's so low compared to him. He's it's like a six inch difference, and Zion's just so strong that he just forced those fouls. There was just like I think he got Hassan in four fouls in the first half, and then mm-hmm. Wend and Gabriel got four fouls real quick. Like he was just drawing fouls at an incredible rate. Like the 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 size, the speed, the way he uses his angles, really really impressive. And I mean, like Hassan is not built to, to guard Zion Williams. He's he that 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 athleticism is special. And I, I felt sorry to just have him go baseline, do a post move, get under him, and then there's a foul called because of contact or maybe not contact. Yeah, that game was just tough to watch from a flow perspective. Oh, dude, I was so mad. 48 foul free throws shot combined by both teams in the first half. Like, I was... I had the I had watched Oregon beat Cal, the Lady Ducks, when that game started at six, and so they finished right as the Blazers were starting. Blazers started about seven forty, and then I had the computer up and was just keeping an eye on Oregon State Stanford. That game started at ten. That finished while the Blazer game was still in the third quarter. Because <laughs> of the foul, I was like, my yeah, it's just like my god. Like, I think the NBA, like the like, whatever you want to do with your tournament or wh- whatever. I think the officiating needs to really be honed in. Like they need to let these dudes play. Like there was one, one thing where Trevor Reza got like hosed. Oh yeah, the Brandon, two, Ingram, the Brandon Ingram push two, off. Both Brandon, yeah, both Brandon Ingram ones. Like just because a dude falls down doesn't mean it's a foul. And um, you know, I'm 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 all for if if they want to push the pace um, and whatnot. But like that, that just. They they really need to do a better job of letting guys play because like these these touch fouls are, you know, it's taking away from a beautiful game. I mean, it's my favorite game to watch, but I could you did not enjoy did not enjoy watching that that foul shot. Fest. How good a, a Pelicans Blazers full fully healthy matchup would be? Two really fast paced teams, athletes everywhere. I mean, good coach, good offensive coaches from both sides. Like it could be yeah. a really beautiful game, but. Those fouls kind of ruined it. Like damn near every Zion post possession led to a foul, and yeah, I mean it's going to be tough. They're going to have to figure out a way to officiate him like they did Shaq. And and I know it's it's difficult, but at a certain point, you have to you have to let the guys play. 
um, just otherwise, like, just like in the NFL, you could call holding on every single mm. play. I mean, it, there has to be a, a happy medium just because, like, you know, I want to see, I want to see flow. Like, I want to see them up and down the court, like, multiple possessions, just, like, in rhythm. You know, basketball is a very rhythm-based, motion-based game. And um, last night was rough to watch. Bro, can I, can I tell you the play that pissed me off the absolute most? Uh, it was on the Pelican side. I even texted Stu about this because I think he watched the game. It, I don't remember who the hell the uh, other players on the court were besides Derek Favors and Zion, but that spacing was so trash. Like Derek and Zion kept bumping into each other. There was a foul that was called because Zion did a post move and pushed way, uh, Gabriel into Derek Favors. Oh, I saw and, that, yeah. Bro, I, I, I yelled, Move to the damn corner. <laughs> like the, the the thing about Zion is, you need shooters around him. Derek Favors ain't no shooter. He ain't no shooter whatsoever. Yeah. He's a good player, and I, I really respect what he can do defensively. He ain't good. Like when he, when when Derek Favors did move to the corner after I yelled, he hit the back the side of the backboard. <laughs> like dude can't shoot. Like the I, I think for Zion to be great, need some spacing. Um, didn't John Morant go crazy against us in that Memphis game? No, wasn't. I felt like he played no. really confidently. Who was who was the? No, he shot like shit. John Morant was nine of twenty three, yeah. oh five from three. Yeah, he did not have a good. Who was game. the uh, X factor? Uh, the X factor was no surprise here. Our interior defense. Brandon Clark literally had a dunk ever. I mean, he didn't, like, I don't want to, like, knock him, but he literally had the ball, and it's like, oh, nobody's around me. I'm going to dunk it. I mean, it's like, I wasn't like, oh, my God. You, like, you look at the box score, 27 and 6, but actually watching it is like, he he is a good rookie, but it wasn't a 27 point, like, oh, my God, like, this kid is, like, It was just rim runs to the hoop, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, they threw so many alley-oops. Space in Hassan's head, right? Remember how frustrated Uh, he got? Like, he was talking yeah. all this shit, and we were down by 20. I don't know what Jonas did to I mean, to but they off. didn't, like, their, big, their good players didn't play well. I mean, Jaron Jackson, one of six. Dylan Brooks was four of 16. Um, th- their bench played well, and, again, we we just we were on the second night of a mm. back-to-back and just could never. I mean, with eight guys or nine guys. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I look at who we have coming off the bench, and it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like I would have Who never was the bench this years. game. It was Anthony Simons, Gary Trent, Caleb Swanigan, Wenyan Gabriel, and Moses Brown. So two NBA that players. Is a summer league bench. Summer a summer league bench. Yeah. Goodness gracious! And then they were going yeah, against Melton and uh, the guy from Gonzaga, Brandon Clark, Tyus Jones, Gorgi Zhang, uh, Josh Jackson. Um, they have, I mean, and again. Bench players play better on mm-hmm. at home, and again, that they were rested, so it is what it is. But say, just dribble pass shoot. Do you think the Blazers make the playoffs? I feel like we should take dribble out of this and just say pass or shoot, and I'll take because I would I would dribble it first of all, but I would lean towards no. I don't think they do it. So you're passing this bad boy. They're just so injured. They're just so injured, and they're just so they don't give information. So Dame could be back next game, but it could be a month, like you said. Like this team doesn't want to give out information, and with the information that I have, him being out the last game, it's like, do you really want to want to test it? I 
I, I would pass it. There's teams that are hungry, young, and could use the playoff experience more like a Memphis or a New Orleans. So I would say that those two are the, you know, main comp for uh, the eighth seed. Yeah, I'm going to pass it as well. I, and I, It's just because of the Dame injury. Because even if he does only miss these three to four games, if, if we don't win, we, we're – we might as well just just pack it in. There's just literally not enough time left. There's also a six-game road trip right in the middle of, of March that's going to be tough. And um, other teams are healthy. And it just feels like even if we do get going, something is, is you know, I'm not going to knock on wood because I don't want it to happen, but it just feels like some something is going to happen. Um, and again, we, we still don't have any timeline on Zach Collins. We don't have a timeline on Yusuf Nurkic. Um, it, it just feels like this year wasn't meant to be. And we've been, been saying that all along. And even even the, the Dame injury now is tough to swallow. But we were talking about this earlier in the season, Sage. Even at somewhat of a, of a semi-healthy roster, we were losing games we had no business losing to. I mean, look at the Warrior game in, in Golden State. I mean, we lost to Sacramento. Um Kings, we, or no, Knicks, excuse me. The yeah, the, the, the Knicks. I mean, we just, we threw away so many games. I mean, look at the Philadelphia game where Ant hits the what we thought was the game winner. Then we leave, you know, Furkin Cormans uh, wide open to, to, to give us the, the loss. I mean, there were just so many games, especially at home, that we dropped. I mean, we really should be in the eighth spot right now, regardless of what has happened. Mm-hmm. We should be the ones holding on to that position. But, you know, we really shot ourselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. Um Early in the year, and I think that's what's going to come back to bite us in the ass. If if the playoffs are the ultimate goal, that's where we should look back and say that was a missed opportunity. And hopefully they they look at that. Yes, injuries I think are the prevailing factor, but it's just another reason why every game matters. I mean, you can't just be like, oh, we're going to turn on after the All Star break, mm. game one to game eighty two. There is no difference. They all matter. And I, I'm we're being negative about the team, but. Just, I don't think we're being negative. I think I, we're I mean, just we're, being realistic. I don't want people to stop watching the Blazers just because this one goal of making the playoffs looks kind of iffy. There's still a lot of things you can look at. You can look at player development. Gary Trent Jr. looks like a player. Anthony Simons does one or two things great every time, every game. So there's things that you can look at uh, for the future and appreciate. I remember you talking about a behind-the-back pass from uh, S- Sebastian Telfair to Hassan Jin, like every year when when we happen to struggle. Like there's things that you can look at every year and be like, "Yo, I enjoyed watching this. This this entertained me. This made me happy to watch." It could be Gary Trent's development. It could be Anthony Simons. It could be, you know, Trevor Ariza. Re- needs to be Nasir Little. We need to give him more run. Like 17 he, he minutes. He had a very his- confident uh, catch and shoot three last night. That made me happy. Yeah, he had nine and three in 17 minutes. Shot four of six from the field. One of two from downtown. Like he's looking confident. He plays well off the ball. Uh, there's no reason Carmelo Anthony needs to play 32 minutes. There's no reason Trevor Reason needs to play 35. Like if we're going to struggle, let's at least give these guys more time. Like I'm so glad they... S- I'm glad they started Gary Trent and I, I'm glad he got 36 and a half minutes. Like he needs that time. Same, same with Ant. Ant struggled last night, but he needs to continue to play mm. and Nasir needs to play. Like that's just the, the bottom line. Like I do want Trevor back and, and possibly Melo depending on the price, 
But we know what what they can do, and they can stuff, they'll still get the lion's share of the minutes. But let let's feed this young pup because Nasir looks like a steal from relative to where we drafted him, and that there is a lot of upside there, and he could help us down the line when we're ready to compete. I just assume Trevor Reza plays thirty eight minutes every night. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, ter- ter- Terry's going to play his guy a lot of minutes, and ter- Trevor Rees is built for playing 38 minutes because he's done it for all of these bad teams in the last, like, five years. When you look at Washington and you look at Phoenix, it's built for, I'm going to play a lot of minutes and I'm going to either shoot really well or I'm going to defend. Like that, that, I just assume he's playing those minutes every night. Um, until until Terry Stotts shows me something otherwise, you know. I was can I talk about the one thing I was really happy about? Actually, let me look it up to be one hundred. CJ McCollum in that first half got seven assists or six assists. Seven in the first quarter. Yeah, like he he was finding his teammates and he was getting those points and assists. He I mean there there wasn't that many people to assist to. With Dame off the floor, CJ balloons to a 31% usage rate. His shooting goes up. His assists go up. Like when, when he has those chances to really be that lead guy, he can be that lead guy. And you saw it in the first half, what he could do. Like I would really love to see what he could do if we replaced Mello with Trevor Ariza or someone who wasn't demanding the ball so damn much. Cause you saw it like Mello was just like demanding the ball in that left or right wing the entire game. And it kind of ruined the, the ball movement for sure. He's kind of turning into that black hole that people were scared of because he's just request that ball. He wants to go at Zion and yeah, I want, I want to see it a few times, but I, I would really like to see what happens with CJ's numbers. And a lot of people are upset at CJ's numbers. Uh, if he doesn't play with Melo, and you, you see it, he requests that ball on that left wing and goes to work with his pump fakes and his jab steps, and it's it's awesome to watch. But I don't want to see 18 shots of it when we need to see what CJ can do as that lead ball handler, get them assists, get them get get those other guys involved that are much younger that need the ball to uh, you know in the right spots. What do you do if you're Portland? Um, let's start to talk about the offseason just a little bit because, I mean, it is almost March and the NBA season doesn't stop even if games aren't games aren't around. And if you're Portland and you're looking at a lottery pick, you know, I the draft isn't isn't supposed to be de- deep. I like Anthony Edwards a lot. Uh, and that's about it. I haven't really gone into the draft mode yet because, you know, there's always that eighth seed push. But uh, during March Madness, I'll definitely be diving into the the rookies and stuff like that. But Edwards is my well, number one. You know, you know, I'll tell you right now. They have the Blazers. Tankathon has them selecting Jaden McDaniel, small forward from Washington. You I watch you know, saw Washington play Oregon um, a few weeks ago. You know, Isaiah Stewart is their big. I mean, he's kind of a, a traditional big in the sense that, you know, he's 6'9", 245. He, he's a truck. I mean... He was dominant at the collegiate level. He's going to have to get a jump Is shot to Julius play in the NBA. But, um, I don't know if he's got the handles to be Julius, but uh, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Thomas Robinson at the collegiate level. Okay, so just a monster. I, li- I like the I like the clarifying s- statement after Thomas Robinson. Yes, and you know, 
that that was just my takeaway. Like he was a man amongst boys. I don't know if that necessarily translates, but I watched. Is he older? No, he's. They're both freshmen. Oh, okay. I watched Jaden McDaniel's, and he wasn't even on the floor he, when he was invisible. And you know, I see that he averages like. 12 and a half points and nearly six boards uh, per game. And I was like, you know, obviously I don't watch a lot of Washington basketball. They're one of the worst teams in the Pac-12. But in that setting, at home, just completely invisible. And I was like, okay, if this is a lottery pick, you know, we already have a pretty raw small forward in this year, Little, who's probably just as as young as McDaniel. So and I'm, I'm not saying that this is the only pick that we can have. But, you know, we've got a young shooting guard prospect in Gary Trent that I feel like is deserving of minutes. Anthony Simons is clearly young as well. Um, now, if there was a big, this just there's just not a lot of bigs in, in this draft. It, unfortunately, it has a lot of point guards and shooting guards, and I'm all for taking best player available. But I'm starting to think that we may need to use this pick and package something to get Dame the most amount of help possible. So this pick isn't necessarily a roster spot. It should be looked at maybe as more of an asset. <laughs> And I'm always like pro, take the pick. That's what we need. But, you know, looking at the roster coming back, there, there's just not a whole lot of room for another young player. And I have I am in the, the mindset, and I have been for a while, Neil Olshay needs to, to really do what he did with the Clippers and get that Chris Paul trade. He needs mm. to recreate what Bob Witsit did in the summer of 99 and trade for Scottie Pippen what Jeff Petrie did in the summer of 89 and traded for Buck Williams. Like we need to make a fucking splash and get Dame some help because I don't know how long he has to play at at this level. And when you have a guy who is top five, they can carry you, but you got to get them help. No one has ever won a title alone. So that's why that's why Allen Iverson lost in the finals against the Lakers. I mean, that that, that is a clear example. I think the closest thing I can think of is is Dirk Nowitzki in 2011. Mm -hmm. Um, But he had a lot of great role players. Great role. But it was it was one of the most. It was was probably a top five finals performance I have ever witnessed or or seen, especially going up against the the Heatles. Uh, So bottom line, Dame needs help. To me, anybody on the roster is expendable that is not named Damian Lillard. Like we, we just need to get him as much help as possible, and that's that's where I that's where I sit. And if it means trading that that pick, multiple picks, like Sage, I don't care if we suck five, ten years from now. Like we have arguably the greatest trailblazer of all time in his prime. Every move we do should benefit him, him, and him alone, yeah. and him as the leader. And what can we do to put the most collective talent around him? So you know, he, what he's he's got that contract. He's locked in. He wants to be locked in. He's loyal. He wants to win. He wants to win in Portland. I, I think it's time that that Neil you know steps up. And you know there was the report we offered Bazemore and Hassan for Kevin Love. I don't even know if that's true or not, or whether that would be a good trade. But <clears throat> if something like that happens, we need to not be afraid to throw in a young player or two or give multiple picks like. Mm-hmm. That's what it's going to take, and if you have to overpay, you overpay. But I mean, look what the Lakers did with Anthony Davis, man. They look gave what up. the Clippers did with Paul yeah. George. They they mortgaged their future, but you know what? They are a top three contender for mm-hmm. a championship, and that's what you play for. I mean, the Raptors are that the is, success. So, yeah, is, like yep. 
The so Raptors what? could not get out of the, the Eastern Conference Finals, and they rolled the dice. And yeah, it was risky, but sometimes you got to go big or go home, especially in a non-traditional market like Portland is. I mean, when you got a ring on your finger that says that 2019 champions, does it really matter if you for the risk? And they're a good team now. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is: you want you want that secondary star? Yeah, absolutely. I don't. What position and what archetype would you want that uh, second star to be? Ideally, it wouldn't be a shooting guard. I think Portland has enough options there. And really, Dame doesn't need another... I don't think he needs another dominant player next to him. I think he... And I'm not. this is not advocating for CJ to be traded. This is just more of looking at Dame's skill set and who he needs around him. You know, I think if you look at uh, a Paul George type who could play the three or the four or a dominant big man who can who can move in today's modern NBA, like, you know, I think someone like Jokic or Embiid is they're different players. One's more offensive focused, one's more defensive focused, but they both command a lot of attention. The and gravity. It's, it's always been those guard big duos that have just given or guard wing duos that have just been so difficult to, to stop. I mean, really in the history of the NBA, <clears throat> I can only remember two backcourts leading their teams to titles and that's the bad boy Pistons. Yep. Like, and that's the Splash Brothers. Yeah. And those two are, I mean, I, I, if you gave me the choice between a dominant three, four swing and a dominant five, I'm taking the three, four just because they affect the game a lot more. You look at it even last night as an example. Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday needed to get the ball to Zion Williamson in the post for that post up. JoJo's great, but he needs someone to set him up for him to be that gravity, def- like that that guy that just needs the that straight double as soon as he touches the ball. So if it was me, I'd it, like let's just say a Paul George came on the market. I would I would definitely do a do a Clippers style trade for him or without blinking. I mm-hmm. mean <clears throat> I would say before last year or after the Western Conference Finals, I'd be like, okay, I, I was a little hesitant to trade some of our players. Like I think we can make it, you know, just continually adding solid players, but <sighs> You seeing, need that duo. You need a real need, legit duo. We Dame needs help. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I was hoping it was gonna be CJ. He just hasn't delivered this year like he did in the playoffs last year. And maybe he steps it up. Maybe he's just a better playoff performer than the regular season. But the regular season matters. And uh, the Blazers just need need help. And I do think the Blazers can can get there without trading CJ. Um, but they may, but they may have to. Um, I also and again, think it, it, I'm, I'm not advocating for. And I know that's been like a hot topic. I love CJ. He's my second favorite Blazer. Like he is a legend after his performance in the playoffs last year. This is just purely hypothetical. I mean, and I think if we were really trying to trade assets for that star, I think it those the the wing is a very rare commodity to find like the superstar potential. And that if if some if one came on the market, I would be very willing to pass all of the stuff that they need for that that wing. You saw what one of the greatest rebounders in the NBA history got traded for. Literally nothing. Big, like good bigs 
are very easily tradable. You look at Clint Capella, you look at Andre Drummond. You saw what we could have gotten for, you know, Hassan Whiteside. You can get yourself a good big at the deadline for relatively cheap. That's not really going to help us to go from a Nurkic Hassan duo to a, you know, Andre Drummond. I would want us to trade use all the assets possible for that wing, especially in today's like games change. The games change a lot, and that three is, you know, we if we can get you get Dame a Paul George, get him a whomever. A, it, it's it's a it'd be much more beneficial. But you look at how if you have one of those wings, you're not trading it for, you know. It has to be so spectacular. To oh, you're getting you. premium. I mean, yeah, the yeah. rates for a wing are premium. I mean, it is. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you, we are accumulating a lot of assets. Like I feel com- confident if a player of Embiid's stature was on the market, we could go after him. And I, I think we would have one of the better offers on, on the table, just given the young talent, the elite, <clears throat> not all-star, but probably would be an all-star if they played in the East. We, we just would have a great package. Um, to move and a lot of it is driven by the fact of how well Dame's been playing, but you know, we call Nurk our third star, and he was probably our second best player in the regular season last year. But he is injury prone, and that's that's tough when you're relying on the third third cog, you know, to be there and, and he's he's not. And I'm not blaming him. Some players just are more prone to injuries than others. And it, there's a, a sense of durability that comes with, with trading for for a certain player. So um, I know we all have our fan favorites, but at the end of the day, the the theme for my off season is what can we do that helps the team get better for Dame. So because you just said that, would you feel comfortable trading for Joel Embiid, a guy that when he plays plays at five minute bursts and then sits for a while, and a guy that availability is also an issue as well. Like just like Nurk, he's been injured a lot. He's been out for multiple seasons with injuries. Does that uh, frighten you a little bit with his uh, injury history? Absolutely. And I think that's a reason why if the Sixers stumble, he's going to be the one that they probably look to trade rather than Ben Simmons is because of, of the injury history in the past. I mean, you're looking at a player who is going to turn 26 years old, in March, he has played uh, in 2018, he played 63 games. In 2019, he's played 64 games. He's on that trajectory to play 65 games um, this year as well. He plays anywhere between 30 to 34 minutes. Um, and the thing about Embiid is, yes, you're getting those bursts, but he's still, what the numbers he puts up and the defensive prowess that he has, he's just a better player than any any big that we've had ever um, outside of Bill Walton. So, I mean, and there's also, there's Sage, we, we've discussed this before. There's a reason certain players hit the market. I mean, there, there's a risk involved, mm. whether it's, oh, are they going to resign with you? Can they stay healthy? Like, that's why that player is on the market. I mean, LeBron James just doesn't magically appear on the market if nothing is out there or quote unquote wrong. You know what I mean? Like the perfect player just isn't out there. And it's like, oh, yeah, this guy's awesome. You know, he's locked up for a contract. He's exactly who we want. He's durable. He's a team leader. He's a great cultural fit. No, whenever there is a star on the market, there is a reason for that. And so sometimes you just got to roll the dice. You know, 
In my time watching Pelicans versus the Sixers, which is limited because, you know, Eastern versus Western, Joel Embiid always dominated Anthony Davis. It was kind of like throwing it back to Deron Williams always fucked up Chris Paul. And you knew Chris for the first few yeah, years. You, yeah. you knew Chris was a better player, but Williams was killing him. If we traded for Embiid, that's kind of like the you know how the Raptors got Marcus All to deal with Embiid. Yeah. We would trade. It, we'd get Embiid to deal with AD. I mean, I'm just. I am so, like, I'm obviously a diehard Blazer fan, but we have a top five player who loves playing in this city. Like, I just. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that because that just doesn't happen. I mean, you've got stars moving all over the place and you got a guy who sees a hard road ahead of him just really putting his feet in the ground and saying, I am taking the road less traveled. I want to do it my way. We need to do whatever we fucking can to put talent, elite talent next to him because it there's, there's no question why the Lakers are better this year. It's because they traded for Anthony Davis. They gave up an all-star and picks in return. Brandon Ingram turned into an all-star. They gave up a lot of young role players, but they got that superstar to play next to LeBron James. Yes, LeBron's only got a couple years left, but they want to win now. They know their chance. They have a good chance of winning it all. You look at the Clippers. They went all in. They saw their future. They're like, not good enough. We may suck five years from now, but who cares? We've sucked our entire history of our franchise. Like, we've never even made the Western Conference Finals. So it's just... I think it's a risk the Blazers are just going to have to take. I would be very upset if we look back five years from now and the Western Conference Finals was our peak if we didn't do any other moves to help Damon Lillard out. I would just feel not like we wasted his tenure in Portland, but I would... We didn't reach its potential. I would feel... Yeah, I would just feel like we... Yeah, we kind of didn't do what we could have done. My last question about this particular topic is if we had a different GM and I'm not saying we fired Neil or whatever I, for this example, do you think that he, that other GM that's competent, let, let just some top 15 GM. Do you think that that person would be way more willing to trade CJ and whatever it may be to get that star player? And do you think that Neil's emotional, uh, you know, he made he made those picks. He hundred and ten percent. GMs are hoarders when it comes to their guys, players they drafted, players they scouted, players they brought in. They hold on to those guys for dear life because they don't view anything as a sunk cost. They say, "No, this is my guy. He's going to pay off." Like I love him. I scouted him. I I drove through rain, sleet, and snow to go see this guy play. Like he was a steal. I picked him. Like. GMs are emotional decision just makers. Just like humans. And just like humans. And it's not right or wrong. It's just fact. Kevin Pritchard was the same way. He wanted to let that cake bake. We had so much talent and so much depth. But again, we didn't ever go all in. We never used the Rafe LaFrance uh, expiring contract. We, we never got help around Brandon and LaMarcus. And... Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I would say that I don't expect the Blazers to do anything. Knee jerks the wrong splashy. I don't think they do anything splashy <clears throat> in the summer. 
And here's here's why. And I I I, I tend to agree with this. Um, if no stars come on the market, because we do have a, a really solid team coming back if they're healthy. I mean, you look at a potential starting five of of Lillard, McCollum, Hood, Collins, and Nurkic. Off the bench, you'd have you'd have Simons, you'd have Trent, you'd have Ariza, you would have a Little, a Whiteside, potentially Anthony as well. That's a 10, 11 deep roster. That's not even factoring in. We have a $7 million trade exception. We have the mid-level exception. And we have a first-round draft pick. So I don't know if we go super splashy. But I, I do think some consolidation moves are going to have to be made. Because we're definitely using that mid-level exception. Yeah, and we just have too many players right now. And, you know, I think <clears throat> I, I think the Blazers have guys that they know that fit into their system. And I would, I still believe if they were fully healthy, they would be competing in the West right now. I don't know if they would be a favorite to, to get out of the West against a, a Los Angeles uh, Clippers or Lakers team. And then Milwaukee, when you look at the, the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee's just <clears throat> curb stomping everybody. But I would, I would definitely, Portland would be right where Denver mm-hmm. is right now if we were healthy. And we can beat Denver. We can beat Utah. We can beat Houston. We can beat all those teams. So in a sense, I don't want Neil Olshay to overreact and, and make a, a panic move. But we have seen stars come on the market in the past. In Portland, I, I think now is the time. Now is the time to port for Portland to be that team that that makes that that jump. And uh, you know who knows? That's just the nature of the beast. Nobody knew that Paul George was available. Nobody knows when. You know, Anthony Davis basically forced his hand to Los Angeles. We're obviously not Los Angeles, so, you know, we can only play with the cards that we were dealt. So there has to be some form of realism when, when we're dealing with these hypotheticals and, oh, why didn't you do that? You should have done that. So there's a lot of behind I mean, the scenes luck. that I'm aware and, of. Uh, yeah, it's luck. You know, I'm not naive in saying, oh, you can just go out there and make this trade on 2K. But, you know, you, you do need to improve mm-hmm. the team. And... Um, I think Neil. I think if a star is available, we have to make that move. I just don't know if Neil is the man to make that tri- pull that trigger because he did put this team together. He has that relationship with each and every member, and you know that 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 stuff. Like, ha- I mean, we're gonna talk about it. I love Bruce Brown. I don't think he's gonna be this th- the next Russell Westbrook, but. I scouted the shit out of Bruce Brown last, uh, two years ago. I'm going to always like Bruce Brown. So if if I have this emotional attachment to a guy that I watched at Miami, you got to imagine that Neil O'Shea has that emotional re- reaction to CJ McCollum, who we found out of Lehigh. Um, Zach Collins, who was a third big in Gonzaga. like Anthony Simons, yeah. Gary Trent. Like, mm-hmm. he's... He's a good drafter. Um, but he might fall in love with his players, which in this scenario, if we're trying to get that, that star, it's a, it's a little bit of a bad thing. All right, Sage, let's take a quick commercial break and uh, look ahead to the upcoming week's games for our trail. For you, the listeners of Holy Backboard, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. 
Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com forward slash holybackboard. Again, that's getgrammarly.com forward slash holybackboard to download Grammarly for free. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin and Sage here. Sage, we both went two and one on the past week. Uh, we didn't talk about the upcoming Pelicans game or the one that was played yesterday, excuse me, but we both predicted a loss via text, which unfortunately was the result. So as the prediction stand, I am 31 and 26. You are 36 and 21, a five game lead with 25 games left. We are going to look at Four games. Up first, the Detroit Ugh. Pistons. Whatever is left of Ugh. the Detroit Pistons. All right. So they, they let let's talk about the roster. So they traded Andre Drummond for John Henson and Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight. And nothing. A second round pick, right? Is, is that that that's the. Uh, yep. And they bought out Markeith Morris. Reggie and they Jackson. bought out Reggie so, Jackson. Uh, Luke mm-hmm. Kennard is hurt. Blake Griffin is hurt. Uh, they're starting their rookie from France. Uh, I, I believe they're starting Thon Maker as well. Yeah, yeah I think they're doing Seku and uh, Thon. But yeah. uh, Christian Wood gets a lot of minutes. So he's really the person I am most scared of uh, from the big perspective. I, I think this this has to be a win. Um, if you lose this game, we might as well pack up our things and, and just... Get, get the fuck out of here. Because if you cannot beat the Detroit Pistons at home with how banged up they are, I mean, there there is absolutely no rhyme or reason to, to continue to play the game. So I, I think the Blazers win this game. Uh, I think it's just they're going to be more talented. I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair because we don't play any defense and we're probably going to get eight alive in the paint. But <clears throat> I want to see how the C.J. McCollum – uh, show works again. Like he nearly had a triple double. Like he did have a double double against the Pelicans. What can we see from CJ? Hopefully, playing without Dame not only elevates his game, but gets him into more of a, of a groove. So you know, I want to see how CJ looks, and I think my X factor is going to be bench points. Like we're at home, we're against a depleted team. Our young guys, Nasir and Ant, needs to have a big night. Like, can those guys give us uh, enough of a push to beat the Pistons? So I've got the Blazers. In a win, like, yeah, man. Like, if we if we can't beat a team, there's no game flow of the game that happens. So I'm gonna have to. They have Seku, John Henson, Markeith Morris, who got uh, let go, Derek Rose, and Langston Galloway. Those are the that's the starting lineup. So subtract Markeith and put in Christian Wood. I think that the two. T- I'll, I'll, the two people that scare me, Derek Rose, he's in a, and Christian Wood. Derek, is, earlier this year, Dwayne Casey said that you don't expect Derek Rose to ever get past 32 minutes. His body cannot handle it. So in the 30 minutes that he plays against the Blazers, he's running everything. He has a huge usage rate. This team is essentially his. Like, who, who who's going to stop Derek Rose from taking shots? Saiku Dumboya, Bruce Brown, Svee Mikhailu. There's no one that is even close to touching him. So Derek Rose, 
looks really good in limited minutes, puts up really good production in limited minutes, but it's limited minutes. So that's number one. And then Christian Wood is a very gifted offensive big. And we do very shitty against very gifted young bigs. So those are the two that we have to worry about. If we stop those two, I feel great about it. But this isn't one of those games where we're just going to out-talent them. Dame's going to be most likely hurt. We're recording on Saturday. He's probably going to be out. We have to take this team seriously because there are NBA players on this team and we're so hurt. So we take this shit seriously. I think we win this. All right. Up next would be the Boston Celtics on Tuesday. The Celtics are 39-16, currently third third in the East. Uh, They've won nine of their last ten, and they are an impressive 16-11 away from Boston Garden. Uh, Sage, Dame will not play in this game either. It just feels like they have so much mm-hmm. talent in depth, and it, this is going to be a tough one for Absolutely. them to pull out. I mean, like, the only real weakness of their team is their bigs because it's Daniel the- Theus and Ennis Cantor and uh, uh, Robert Williams or uh, Time Lord. Uh, Grant Will- or Grant Williams and Robert Williams. So those are the four centers. That's their only real weakness. I think that Jason Tatum is going to revel in the fact that he's going against Carmelo Anthony, and I think that he's going to have a very big game against us because you know he 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 loves that Mamba mentality. But I bet you that he watched this six this six eight small forward doing all these jab steps when he was a young young man and was inspired by Carmelo. So I bet you Jason Tatum goes off. Um, I mean, they, they, they have a lot of talent that they could throw at us. A lot of good young players to throw at us. They're a good defensive team. They make shit tough. I think CJ is going to have numbers, but it's going to be because of the mass amount of shots, not the efficiency. So I think CJ does well. I think Jason Tatum does well. And the Blazers take this loss. Yeah, I've got the Blazers losing as well. They just have talent in droves. Not only do they have Kemba Walker, but they can throw Marcus Smart out there, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Tatum. I mean, you name it. I mean, Ennis Cantor is a good center. Theus um, is a good power forward, but he's playing center. I think this is a game you really wish you had Zach Collins available to to disrupt or even go small. Um, I, I don't know what the Blazers can, can do to get this one. I think if they do win, it is going to be because role players step up. you got Gary Trent hitting outside shots. Uh, Trevor Reza could play a, a big part in this game because he's going to be matched up either with Tatum or Brown or Hayward, um, probably <laughs> all three at some point of the night. But um, the fun matchup for me is going to be Kemba and CJ. Kemba typically doesn't play super well against the Blazers. And this, this is going to be CJ's third straight game starting at point. So what does CJ do? I, I think CJ has a better, more efficient night than than you're going to probably give him credit for. But again, I think he gets his numbers. I just don't think they're going to be efficient. Yeah, I mean, don't if Dame was available and 100% healthy, I'm taking the Blazers 10 out of 10 times at home. He's not. We're not going to have enough bodies. Uh, I've got and they're Boston a very good defensive well. team that forced turnovers. So please don't do any bad passes. So P- Portland kicks off a, a three-game Eastern road trip Thursday night in Indiana against the Pacers. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers just saw the Pacers on January 26th and won uh, 139 to 129. Dame had, I believe, 51 points in that outing, but I'm still not projecting well, Dame to be back for this one. Indiana. Okay. Uh, no. 
Indiana is a team that is fighting for home court advantage in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they are 19 and 10 at home and 33 and 23 overall. Not the way you want to start a road trip mm-hmm. against a, a Nate McMillan team that is going to make you earn everything. And I all think Froggy Pants was also out. I think it was a, a Holiday Brothers yep. affair. I think, and McConnell wasn't well. Miles Turner he out as well? I think it was just Demonis Sabonis. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, yes. We didn't play the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> we just played Demonis Sabonis. <laughs> well, true. they didn't play the yeah. Portland Trailblazers either. So um, they're a good defensive team. Um, good shot blocking team. They forced you to take bad shots, like you know a Nate McMillan team would. Um, it's an interesting thing to see what Brogdon and Victor and Sabonis will end up doing. It seems like Victor negatively affects uh, Brogdon uh, when he plays. He does do limited minutes, and I think I I don't know uh, what they're doing after this All Star break, but before he was like at a twenty five minute cap. Uh, but he definitely is that added div- uh, firepower that is scary. I, I mean, like I I think we're gonna lose this game, but. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with those three usage monsters. Yeah, I've got a loss as well. Portland has absolutely no answer for Sabonis down low. He had a triple-double the last time the teams played in Portland. Portland won because Damian Lillard is just better than any player on yeah, Aaron the Holiday Indiana Pacers. And uh, not gonna... Justin aren't a match for uh, Dame. I mean, you could take any two Indiana Pacers and put them together. They're not better than Damian Lillard. It's just the bottom line, and we don't have that. I do. I will say Brogdon is very uh-huh. good, but he ain't Dame. No. Oh. Uh, the second game of that road trip Ooh, is against the Atlanta pace. Hawks, a team that a lot of a lot of play, people thought could make a push for the playoffs in the East. A lot of player uh, people uh, loved their offseason. Hasn't worked out. 16-41 on the year. 10-17 uh, and 17 at home. They obviously lost John Collins 25 games Steroid. for, I think, uh, some sort of substance abuse. Not like yeah. drugs, but like a, yeah, I said steroid. So he was out um, for a violation. And he's back. Who's they hurt? also traded for Clint Capella, who is not playing. Uh, but Trey Young did it's, just put up 50 Wayne right Dedman after the All-Star break. Center. Yeah. So Trey Young is the, the team goes as Young goes, and he is so good in the pick and we're so, so not good at shooting good at from, that. from distance. So that's going to be my X factor. How can we defend Trey Young? Are we going to do something similar to what we did to the Atlanta Hawks or the the Houston Rockets when basically said everybody else beat us? We're going to take James Harden out of the equation, or are we going to let Young? run rampant? And if we're talking about the playoffs, mm. this is another must must game for me. Like you can. You can go 500 while Dame is out. I think you're in good position. You start losing the teams that are 16 and 41. So I, I think that uh, in the time that John Collins was off the court, Trey Young saw a big decline in his efficiency. Uh, John Collins helps him a lot just because of the pick and roll partner. You have to respect him. Like his numbers go up a lot. Um. <clears throat> So that pick and roll is going to be deadly, and we just don't have the defense for that to stop that efficiently. So I think Trey Young and John Collins go pretty pretty good, pretty apeshit. 
Yeah. Watch out for Kevin Herter too. If we if we dial in too much on that pick and roll, he's going to be ready to. Uh, and Cam Reddish is actually down. playing good ball. Uh, DeAndre Hunter in the beginning of the year looked like one of the worst offensive wings ever, and he's finally playing well. He's a good defender. Um, let's see. Dwayne Dedman's a legitimate center. The thing that interests me in the future about Atlanta, because I think I think we're going to win, but I wonder how Clint Capella affects John Collins because John does a lot of his work at the five and Clint Capella cannot play the four. So I wonder how that will affect him in the future. But I, I think for next week, we beat Atlanta. I am going loss. Um, again, if we had Dane, I think we are able to make up that deficit. If this game is at home, I'd probably take a, a win, but no Dame, eight man rotation. Fast pace. I just don't fast pace. I, I I'm I'm just having a hard time seeing the Blazers win many games w- without Lillard, given how banged up they are and how little depth they have. Um, it's just it's it's not a good. They're not a good defensive team, and it seems like we're an inconsistent I mean, offensive it, team. And Dame covered up a whole I lot mean, of those weaknesses. <laughs> if we if CJ can't go absolutely nuclear against this bad team that plays fast. So he'll have extra possessions. And CJ did have a triple double Mm -hmm. against the Hawks last year. It was in Portland, but that was without Lillard. So no, that, that is the CJ young can can CJ significantly outplay young and have a triple double type of night. If he does, the Portland does win this game. I think he is a good enough player to mask a lot of our deficiencies right now. Such a bad defense. Make no mistake. Yeah, make no mistake about it. it it's gonna CJ's gonna have to play a superstar. Uh, he has it in him though. Type night, uh, another triple double probably. He does. He has it in him. Um, I think he plays well. I, I just I don't. I just think we're so banged up. And you remove the the Dame was a big band aid. I mean, he was cl- clogging a lot of holes. Like if you're looking at a sinking ship and you've only got so many pieces of gum to to stop the water leaks. We just removed a lot of those pieces of gum. I mean, Dame was holding shit together. But it's, it's, it's a chance and, for him to shine, and I think that this, this matchup, it is. this and matchup, I hope he does is, well. I don't, I don't know if we're playing the Wizards anytime soon, or if we've used all of those up. But this is a very good matchup for a, a guard to go, uh, you know, to go crazy. We we oh, played the, the Wizards. Uh, let me just say that whoever our starting guard is is going to dominate against the Wizards, because that's also a very bad defense that plays as fast. But, like, this is one of those matchups where it's like, yes, EJ, this is all you. This is a fast-paced team that does not care about defense. Get busy. And they don't have one of those Drew Holiday stoppers. It. You know, I will say, if Portland can come out of this week 2-2, two and two, they have a good shot, especially if you get Dame back. Again, we, we don't know. I'm just assuming the four games is a minimum of how long he's going to be out. But if you get out of this two and two, your next 10 look beautiful. You have at Orlando. What? You come home to play the Wizards. You go at Phoenix. Then you got a mm-hmm. massive homestand against Sacramento, Phoenix again, Memphis, Houston, Minnesota, Dallas, and then you kick off a road trip as your 10th game Those are at Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, those, those are, are ripe. For the picking, mm-hmm. I mean that, that's that's got to be eight nine wins right there. I mean you just you have to, and that's the way you're going to make it up. So it is important that Portland finds a way to get two out of these next four games. Get Dame healthy. Maybe you get Zach Collins in in, the, in that stretch back. 
Uh, maybe you see Nurk. Um, that's what it's going to take. Um, Sage, I, I think we've uh, chatted for quite a while on this podcast. Yeah, man, it's, it's been, been a bit. It's been good to get back uh, into it. Uh, you can anything find us else? On iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Himalaya Podcast, Nothing But Net Radio, Tuesdays, 2 to 3 p.m., 5 Eastern. And if you listen this far, you're a real one. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.